You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Everybody, happy Father's Day, and welcome to episode 98 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry, and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Tracy. Hey, everybody. Hope you guys had a great Father's Day. I was blessed to still have mine here with me, and um, we had a great day together. And Jerry went one way, I went the other way, and Kristen went the other way. So we kind of split. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way it typically works yeah, on I holidays know, but it was, it was nice, though. So, so happy Father's Day. Yep, we want to uh, go ahead and jump in by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you're uh, representing and working in. Sure thing, you guys. We love you. Pray for you every day. You know, keep up the good work, keeping us safe. And I know your families missed you today if you weren't home for Father's Day, but you know they're thinking about you. And, uh, of course, we want to mention the Suicide Prevention Hotline here in the United States, 1-800-273-8255. And uh, just a reminder that if uh, you're feeling down, there's people out there who are willing to, to help you. You've got friends and family members to talk to you if you just give them an opportunity. And if uh, you feel like you don't have anybody to turn to, call that number or send us a message or call us and uh, we'll talk to you. And if you're part of our Facebook group or part of our Facebook page, which um, if a lot of you aren't because we couldn't about four times as many listeners per week as what we actually have on those pages. Mm -hmm. But feel free to join that group and and instant message us. I know some of you guys already have and told us some situations, but that's just another way to reach out to us. And man, that's, it's a fun community with a lot of people who are are definitely supportive. Mm -hmm. And um, trust me, if you don't think you've got any friends now, you'll quickly have about 4,000. Oh, you will. And it's a really great support group and they'll talk to you about anything. Stuff. Are we ready to get into this week's story? Yes, sir. Let's go. This week's story, everybody's always talking about when are you going to do more UFOs and when are you going to do more cryptids? Well, as we discussed. We're going to do Mo, 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 oh. <laughs> We're going to do Mo, which is the Missouri monster. That's what his friends affectionately call him. So we're going to do that. And uh, so that's, if you don't know much about it, it's, a Bigfoot type creature. Mm-hmm. So, for you that keep wanting to do a cryptid story, this will work out perfect for you. This is all for you this week. 
So, as I said, I don't normally get into these cryptid stories, but for whatever reason, this one really piqued my interest as I started kind of learning a little bit about mm-hmm. it. It is the Missouri Monsters and his friends, his close friends only, though, call him Momo. And <laughs> like I said, he's similar to a Bigfoot and in a lot of ways, but he's also different in a lot of ways, and we're going to discuss all those. For example, most Bigfoot sightings, if you if you look at the description, it has uh, Bigfoot listed as having a sloped head. You can see his face. You know, everybody's seen like, like the... Like sloped down the front? Yeah, or? like the forehead is sloped. And, uh-huh. you know, it's just got that Neanderthal type look. Uh-huh. But it's got a monkey type face. But you can see the face really clear. Momo's got a pumpkin shaped head. So it's not really that same Sasquatch type look that you see. He's also got glowing orange eyes. And he's only got three fingers on his hands and feet, where Bigfoot has five. He sounds cute. Yeah, he does. Except for when we get into it, he won't sound cute. Now, he still leaves these big old footprints like Bigfoot does, but it's not five toes. It's just got three, and that's one of the things that really sets it apart. One of the other big differences is that um, Bigfoot, for the most part, doesn't seem aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's kind of tame. You know, yeah, people see it. It kind of walks around, chills. He's yeah. beef jerky. Yeah. Whatever the deal is. And you don't really hear about him attacking much except with the story that we did back. Uh, right. You know, the, the other Bigfoot story we did down in Arkansas, the Falk monster where he kind of grabbed a guy on the porch and or at least that's what they said. Mm-hmm. In most cases, they're, they're just not violent type creatures. This one's a little bit different, though. This one is actually aggressive. Oh. So that's one of the, the main things that sets it apart, and I think that's what piqued my interest. So Momo sightings have been reported throughout Missouri with Louisiana, Missouri. When I say Louisiana, I'm not talking about the state. There's actually a city in Missouri called Louisiana, Missouri. Mm-hmm. But that is where the most famous sightings took place, and we're going to talk about them briefly, and at the end we'll get into that sighting a little more because that is the biggest one. But Louisiana, Missouri has about 4,000 people. And it's about 75 miles from St. Charles. And uh, that'll come into play. I think St. Charles is the capital of Missouri. Did oh, you know that? I did not you know that. You probably thought it was St. Louis, didn't you? I did, actually. Okay. Most people do because it's the bigger city, but it's not. Oh, well, just learned something good. So they've got this. Have I mean, I guess theoretically it's a Bigfoot-type creature. So even though it's not a Bigfoot, but they've had sightings of Bigfoot-type creatures in that area since 1940s. So this goes way back. Now, this particular story doesn't, but that's how long they've been seeing stuff in that area. In the early 1970s, though, the heat really got turned up on this because that's when Momo showed up on the scene. Lauren Coleman wrote a book called Bigfoot, The True Story of Apes in America. And according to Coleman, the Momo legend started in July of 1971. Joan Mills and Mary Ryans were driving home on uh, Highway 79. And they saw a hairy creature, right? And the creature was described as half man and half ape that made a gurgling noise. The most famous sighting took place a year later, though, in July 11, 1972. And that's where the main story is going to pick up at. Terry Henderson, who was about eight years old, and his little brother Wally, who was five, was out playing in the backyard. And they were at the foot of this hill called Marzoff Hill. And this is right on the outskirts Mm -hmm. of of Louisiana. Their older sister, Doris, was actually in the house, but she heard her brothers, both of her brothers, scream. She looked out the bathroom window, and she saw this black, hairy, man-like creature standing by a tree. 
And that's mm. what the little boys were screaming about. Yeah. She said it was six to seven feet tall, and it was uh, head like was directly on its shoulder. It had no neck whatsoever. And the, her other part of the description, this is where we'll get into the difference of Bigfoot, is that its face was completely covered in hair. Wow. Like, a, I guess, kind of like a wolf man or something yeah. like that when you're thinking. So that's the one big difference. Now, this is creepy, as if that's not creepy enough. The creature had blood on him and was carrying a dead dog under his oh, arm. Ugh. Don't listen, Ninja. Yeah, seriously. Or if you keep snoring, I will feed you to Momo. How no, about you that? Won't. I might. I won't let it, Ninja. <laughs> so this is the thing that interested me most about this creature. You know, like I said, the Bigfoots are gentle, and by all accounts, this thing would eat your dog. Mm-hmm. And have no problem just standing there and, and confronting people. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess not. So earlier that day, a farmer had reported his dog was had disappeared, right? And then a neighbor of his reported hearing terrible gurgling sounds that afternoon. So you could guess those two things are probably tied together. Poor doggy. The kid's father said that he heard growls on the evening of July 14th. Now here comes the next distinguishing feature between Momo and, and a Bigfoot type creature. Mr. Henderson and several other people who had been around the creature said that there was a very strong, unpleasant odor around Marzoff Hill. Investigators also claimed to smell a stench that smelled like rotting fish. Rotting fish? Yeah, so every time this thing came around, then the smell was there. Mm-hmm. They said the smell would actually get there beforehand. It would That would probably uh, tip you off that it was around was because all, you would oh, smell yeah. it before you would see it. So the next sighting was uh, by a gentleman by the name of Ellis Miner on July 21st. He had heard his dogs barking outside, and it was about 10 o'clock. And uh, he was right outside of his, his house was on River Road, so it wasn't too far down the road. He grabbed a flashlight. He stepped outside, and obviously he was expecting to see some kind of dog or something out there. And much to his surprise, he said there was like a seven-foot-tall creature with lots of thick, black, matted hair. I mean, dude, he could at least take a bath or something. I mean, he's right by the river. I mean, what's seriously. the problem? The creature fled as soon as he saw Ellis. And uh, on July 23rd, 1972, police sealed off a 200-acre wooded area. Sorry, my voice is shot. I know. know. So, as soon as the creature saw him, the creature took off? Yeah. So, it didn't hang around like it did the other ones. Uh Or maybe it saw a gun or felt threatened or maybe Mm -hmm. the dogs. I don't Uh know. But, uh, so these uh, police, they quarantined off, basically, a 200, sealed off a 200-acre area. Uh 25 hunters searched for the creature's. Uh, most thought it was probably going to be like a black bear because they're starting uh, to hear the stories, but they're yeah. like, it's probably a black bear. Police got a report of a creature crossing the road with a dog or a sheep in its mouth. <laughs> must have been a big dog or a very small sheep. Another person said that the beast got behind his car and lifted it off the ground. Dude, whatever. Not the whole car, just lifted the back up. That is crazy. Now, as you could imagine... Once the word got out, Bigfoot hunters flocked to Louisiana, Missouri. They were interviewing eyewitnesses. They were taking plaster casts of the footprints. And then Hayden Hughes, who was the director of the Sasquatch Investigation of Mid-America, which he was like the Mm top-notch Bigfoot hunter back in the day. He said that what impressed him was the willingness of people to talk about the creature. He said that normally people are reluctant to talk because of skepticism or they don't want people to think they're crazy or whatever the case was. 
But he said these were good quality people who were enthusiastic about what was going on. I know, but I don't know. I can't believe all those people went out and tried to hunt that thing. Yeah. well, I'd I be guess, so scared. Yeah, but there was 25 of them all together for the most part. I don't think they were all standing right there, but there was a 25 people over 200 acres. Is, yeah, but oh my gosh, that's so scary. So these people didn't want to uh, sell anything. They didn't want to, the publicity. They just wanted to share their stories. Mm -hmm. That was the other thing that made him um, really think that they were being sincere because they weren't trying to make money off yeah, of it. Yeah, right. He said that he never got the impression there was a hoax of any kind going on around there. Now, all of these sightings happened over a two-week period. So we'll remember that as we're looking. But it triggered a, a media frenzy that, that went on for a lot longer than that. TV and newspaper reporters from across the country kind of descended on the small town. Hughes said that he did 75 TV and newspaper interviews himself. Wow. 75. He said they even flew him to Chicago to do some television there. And people all around there were shooting documentaries. So he said it was the atmosphere was just buzzing, mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Maybe he was on Oprah. I don't think he was on Oprah because Oprah wasn't on TV in 1979. Oh, I guess she wasn't. <laughs> and she didn't have a cell phone. Why, so, sir? Yeah, they didn't have cell phones there to take pictures of the creature. Well. He said it was the most documented case he had ever seen. Now, some people believe that there is a connection between UFOs and Bigfoot sightings. Not Steve Coles from Destination America, mm -hmm. because as I've discussed, when I brought it up, he kind of went ballistic. Like, <laughs> there's no possible way. Mm -hmm. And anybody that says that's crazy, and let me tell you 5,000 reasons why. Yeah. So, and I wish I'd, I'd, I had thought soon enough I would have tried to get Steve on this show to ask him, because it would have been funny to hear everybody uh -huh. hear his response. So, the Sasquatch Investigation Group of Mid-America is an offshoot of the uh, International UFO Bureau. Hughes started that in 1957. So he's a Bigfoot hunter now. This is 1979. But, uh, or actually, this was 72, I believe. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So this is 1972, and he started this UFO network in 1957. So he's mm -hmm. been involved in stuff for like that for a long while. Time. Yeah. And he said he researched sightings of Bigfoots in eight different states to see if there was a UFO connection. With Momo, he said there was no connection at all with UFOs. Hughes said that um, his investigations suggest that families of Bigfoot migrate across the country from the Pacific Northwest to the uh, southeast part of the United States. He thinks that they start around Oregon and Washington and cross Oklahoma around September and then finish up in Florida. So, like, they're walking across the country. Yeah. Like birds would fly right, south for right, the winter. Right, right, for the winter. So, he thinks that's what happens, and that's why you see them for some times, but don't see them for other. that they're kind of always on the move. Uh-huh. Well, that's so interesting. So, maybe that's the case. So, before we say uh, this Hughes guy is a lunatic, let's look a little bit at him. He has a degree in aeronautical and space engineering from the University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I'm not a rocket scientist, mm -mm. but he's pretty close. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that uh, should tell you that he's a really intelligent man to be able to get anything like that. Now, keep in mind that the majority of the research that Hughes' team did was actually in Louisiana, but he also had a team checking out some special events that were going in St. Charles, 75 miles away. John Schussler, who helped start MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO uh, Network in 1969, uh, which also our buddy Chris Cogswell was a part of for yes. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he was living in Fallon, O'Fallon, which is right outside of St. Charles. And when all this stuff started happening and uh, the Momo sightings and all that stuff, he was right there. It just so happened to be a rash of UFO sightings in the St. Charles area at the exact same time. This obviously piqued his interest in the possibility of being a, a uh, connection prompted Schessler to join the Momo investigation. And they were glad to have him on board because oh, two pretty smart guys and two UFO guys on top of that. Mm-hmm. He found no connection, but he did corroborate the presence of Bigfoot type creature in the region. He said on June 30th, 1972, a month before the little boy saw the creature in Louisiana, two men from Troy were doing some fishing on the bank of the, I'm going to butcher this, Kiev River. Mm-hmm. He said they were near Kiev River State Park in Lincoln County. Tim and Vaughn, so the two guys, they stood on the, on the high bank and they were overlooking a really unusually low bank on the other side of the river. And Vaughn heard a splash and looked up. He said he saw a big hairy thing wading across the water. Uh-huh. Well, he thought it was a hippie. Because <laughs> keep in mind, this is the 70s. <laughs> and Vaughn said he looked at Tim and he said, hey, Tim, look at that silly hippie wading across the river. Well, he realized a few minutes later that it definitely was not a hippie. He described it as being taller than a regular man, hairy all over, just like Momo, hair completely covered its face. So Tim ran up to the hillside, and Vaughn decided he was going to be brave and stay put. Mm-hmm. And uh, the creature kept coming towards Vaughn. Eventually, he panicked, and he ran too. And then uh, they found a, not a forest ranger, but a park ranger, uh-huh. and told him the story, and they headed back. Well, they found fresh three-toe footprints where the creature had came out of the water. Schistler inspected the area the next day and found the exact same prints. They were large prints, but he couldn't tell what kind of animal made them. He couldn't find any hair of any kind. So Schistler said that Vaughn and Tim were frightened and very believable when he talked to him. He interviewed the park ranger and uh, as well, and, and he said that they had gotten a lot of, I guess, strange or weird reports from the park, um, people visiting the park, but he didn't pay any attention to them. Did they do a moulage? They did not do a moulage. Not, <laughs> not at the moment. They did not. Barney. <laughs> you know, he decided not to make a big yeah, moulage out of it. Yeah, decided not to make a big moulage out of it. Now, Schessler said that he thinks that the reason that the um, park ranger didn't make a big deal out of it mm-hmm. was because he probably wanted to kind of distance himself from it. So he, oh. he just wanted to get done with the interview and be done oh, with yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I bet he did. So another sighting happened on July 24th near O'Fallon, right after the last sighting in Louisiana. So you get the last sighting in Louisiana, then the very next one was down here in O'Fallon. So could have been two different creatures, could it be the same thing, who mm-hmm. knows. Two teenage girls saw a hairy creature at sunset while they were walking along the edge of a wooded area. Supposedly, Momo came back, but it was four years later. Four years? Yeah. So that's where he was all that time. I don't know. So that's what well, could be migrating. I don't know. Yeah. And just because if that was a situation where they're migrating, that doesn't mean they would necessarily come through the exact same area yeah. every time, you know. So that's the deal. So they can't, that's the basic Momo side. Like I said, now we're going to get into the, a, a little more detail of some of those sightings. I just wanted to brush through and tell mm-hmm. you uh, a timeline, basically, what we're looking at. Now, I did say that four years later, there were some other sightings. 
there were sightings in 29 Missouri counties. That's a lot of counties. That is a lot. In 1976, two people were in a boat on the Missouri River near Highway 40 and 61. They saw a six to seven foot tall creature covered in dark brown hair. That's the one difference. And this yeah. one was brown hair when the other ones was black. They said it was drinking from the river. It saw the boat and it ran into the trees. wonder what made it scared of a boat. I don't know. Well, maybe it's just scared of people in general. That could have just been a Bigfoot for all we know. Well, I would think that hair in your face would be annoying after a while. I'm just saying. Somebody should get in some scrunchies. Somebody should do something. So Mark Richardson said he saw the creature in St. Peter's in 1979. At the time Mark Richardson made this comment, he was living in California. So mm -hmm. I don't know what year he made these comments, but it wasn't at the time. So yep. he could be making stuff up. He and his friend were on a uh, railroad bridge over... Uh, Darting Creek one night, and he saw a shadow moving, and he thought it was just his friend. Well, he said instead, it was an eight to nine foot creature with long matted brown fur that covered its body and its face. So that's very similar to what we're doing, just a different color of fur, but still sounds like Momo. He says its shoulders were five feet wide. Oh, whoa. Yeah, that's pretty wide. That's just like tall as me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> its hands had three fingers. And it kind of hung below its knees, so it was very ape-like. He said it smelled like rotting fish and screamed like a panther. What's up with the fish? He must be eating some fish. It's very possible. I mean, I can imagine something's hairy and don't take a bath or if it doesn't bathe, but that one was waiting in the water. So Right. Richardson said it lifted the railroad timber and tried to grab his friend, and then they were able to escape and run home. Dang, how scary is that? That would have been a terrible thing to behold. <laughs> yeah. If he'd like got his friend and his friend's like, help me, help me. And then his friend would be like, see you later. I'm out of here. That's kind of what happened. Is it really? What, no, he did not. I don't know. I made it up. Oh. Anyways, so I thought we would look deeper into the main sighting. And, you know, we talked about the two little boys seeing it and the little girl calling. Well, let's go back and look at that a little bit deeper. So, you got Edgar Harrison. You know what? I think I said Henderson was the kid's name earlier. Their name's Harrison. I don't know why I said that. Because you was thinking of Harry and the Hendersons. And that's probably exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Harry, Harrison, whatever. Anyway, the, the family's name, the, this first sighting was Harrison. So, Edgar Harrison, who was the dad, he, he's a deacon of the church. So, let's first establish that he was... Uh, well respected in the neighborhood it, sure. he would probably be the last person to come out with a hoax or to lie yeah not saying that everybody really just gets the benefit of the doubt but this is the 70s and mm -hmm. things were a little different back then a little more wholesome back then so the eight-year-old and the 15-year-old doris who was uh, uh inside they both had the exact same story the five-year-old i don't know if his story was off a little bit but he's five so oh, it would oh, not yeah, going to be taken yeah. into consideration as much as an eight they both said it stood like an a, a man, but looked more like an animal, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. They both said that the face could not be seen because of all the hair. So those parts of the stories were exactly the same. The horrible smell was also something that all of the witnesses reported that had seen him. So it, it seems odd that if people are seeing this creature and they all have the same story. Yeah, and there's got to be something to it. Yeah. Something was probably to it, and that's what everybody kind of figured. 
They, like I said, we earlier they said that you could smell it before it come. Doris was so ter- terrified when she seen this thing. She was the 15 year old girl inside. She called her mom crying and was almost in shock. So Edgar gets home around 4 p.m. He didn't see the monster, but he did find that the uh, where the boy said that it was standing at, there was beaten down brush and everything where something had been there. So there's no telling what it was, but there was obviously something there. He said he also found a footprint in the dust. So it was just dust. It wouldn't yeah, like wet. Like, yeah. So you could see it, but it was kind of faint. And then he said he did find a bunch of black hairs that were scattered in the area. Now, the same afternoon, a few blocks down the road, there was a woman named Mrs. Clarence Lee reported that she heard animal sounds at the home. Now, remember, we were talking about the neighbor. Uh, There was a farmer who said he had his dog missing and a neighbor Mm -hmm. said she heard noises. This is that neighbor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that's Mrs. Clarence Lee. She said she heard that. And now after this initial sighting, everything was kind of quiet for about three days. Edgar decided that he was going to have a prayer meeting in his house. It was a regular meeting. And then after the, the meeting was over, about 45 minutes later, he started hearing some noise outside that sounded like someone was throwing rocks into the middle uh, water reservoir that's on top of Mars Off Hill. So he decided that he wanted to go see what was going on because it's a popular hangout with the kids, but not usually that time of night. Yeah. And so he starts get you know to listen a little closer and... He hears one exceptionally loud ping, and then he starts hearing growling. I wonder what the ping was. Well, I don't know, but it was that at that metal reservoir up there. That's where his oh, kids would have been throwing Oh, that's true. Home. It could have made a noise off that. So he hears that ping. He hears the growling. The sounds start coming closer and closer, and it was so loud that his family actually even came out running out of the house. They were so concerned that they wanted to leave the neighborhood, but Edgar wanted to see what was making that noise. And he finally uh, gave in to his family, though. This is actually kind of funny. He drove down uh, Allen Street, and as they were driving down, he came across about 40 people, most of them with guns, that were heading up the direction toward Hill because they'd also heard it and wanted to know what was going on. Dang, that's pretty... How loud could that be? Yeah, Dang pretty gone. Well, it's, and it's in the neighborhood, but yeah. Yeah, but still... The funny thing about it was, though, Harrison, he thought it would be funny as he was going this way, and they were all coming the opposite way, to say, here it comes. And he did that, and he said, like, the whole crowd turned and ran away. So like, <laughs> Even the guys with the guns? Uh, yeah, they all went. So <laughs> so I guess when they're coming up the road in the car and they yell, here it comes, I mean, that was enough for them to be able to say, so I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> A number of people reported hearing strange cries and screams that night, but the uh, policeman... Uh, they came to investigate Jerry Floyd and John Whitaker. They got there and they couldn't find anything out of the ordinary at all. Not one thing. Nothing. Now later that night, Edgar Harris and several of his friends decided they were going to go back up to and explore uh, Mars Off Hill, and they found an old building up there that they decided to investigate. I mean, they knew the building was there, but they went and investigated. They said the building had that same pungent odor that was still kind of lingering in it from the creature. Oh, so he was hanging in there. They knew at least he'd been there for for at least once. Edgar said it smelled like moldy horse smell or strong garbage. Oh. Now, in the days that followed, they would smell the same smell over and over and um, hear these animal noises. I saw a video of um, two men around the same time. They said they were at the lake or uh-huh. at the river or something, 
and he said it was really dark and they heard something splashing and they shone their flashlight out there and they said this creature that fit the description of Momo was there was a branch that was like 10 feet out over the water. So Uh it's supposed to be a big tree. He said it was hanging from the end of it with one arm from the branch. Whoa. Yeah. So it kind of freaked him out a little bit. And then there was this other lady that um, she, she was hearing the sound and she was so intrigued by it that she went out and bought a um, recorder Mm -hmm. and she did nothing but record months and months of this sound and then she went and took it to like wild wildlife preservists and, yeah. and experts, and they can't document what the sound is on there. They can hear like these high pitched screams, but they don't know what what an- they said. It, nobody seems to know what animal it goes to. Oh man, that is and so this all creepy. this was happening, you know, at the same time. There's one last occurrence to talk about. It was a guy named um, well, it's actually a couple of them, but. Uh, Freddie Robbie, he was a farmer, and, and this happened in the last week of July when all this was going on. There were some three-toed footprints found on his property, and this is about eight miles south of Louisiana, so not very far. No casts were ever made of it. No, uh, what's it called? Collage. <laughs> no casts were ever ever made of it, um, but he was able to kind of keep it protected until investigators came out and they took some diagrams and stuff of it. But more tracks were discovered on August 3rd at a farm owned by Bill Sudarth. He said in the middle of the night, he and his wife heard a high-pitched howl coming from their yard. And um, they ran out into the yard with a flashlight. Uh, In the middle of their garden was four footprints. Each of them only had three toes. So very similar to what we're hearing Sutterth called out uh, for a couple of his hunting, hunting buddies. They came over. One of his friends, a guy named Clyde Penrod, he was like an outdoorsman who had always, you know, he knew all about hunting, all about mm-hmm. fishing. And uh, he drove over and made a plaster cast of the print. Penrod was an avid outdoorsman, like we said, and he said he had never seen anything like this in his life. The track was uh, 20 feet away from anything else also. That's the other thing that was very confusing. They didn't understand how they were made because it's like he said that it looked like that it just appeared out of the middle of nowhere in the garden and then just vanished. There were no footprints leading up to it or no footprints leading away from it. Just the four footprints right in the middle. That's very strange. And that's the kind of reasons why people think UFOs yeah. could have something to do Dropped with it. Dropped down there for a like, minute yeah. to grab some veggies. Right, I guess that's... And then zipping back up. But um, he said that there was no sign of a hoax or anything Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, pranksters, I should say, doing anything. But that was the last time that the um, Momo was ever... A sighting was actually listed as as put under his name as Momo. So so nobody ever saw him good enough where they could actually take a shot at him or anything? I don't guess. Well, maybe he only had three toes because he was so matted everywhere that his toes stuck together when he really might have had five. Maybe it was a giant sloth. I don't know. You know what? No. (laughs) I don't think so. So what happened in Louisiana? We know that the Harrison family was so scared that they refused to go back home. Yeah, they they had a a family restaurant that they owned, and they decided they were just going to stay down at the restaurant, except for Edgar. Edgar, the dad, he um, kind of made their house into like an, uh, a monster outpost, so to speak. He set up there and, and uh, he camped out 
right there on the reservoir to try to find this thing 21 straight nights. Mm. They had phone calls coming in and out uh, by the, you know, constantly because of all these different yeah. people wanting to interview and what have you. He even had to uh, take a leave of absence from his job. He worked for like the water company or something. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he completely dedicated his, you know, uh, about a th- three week period to this. Mm-hmm. So that's that's scary. I don't even think I could do that being out there by yourself. He said he never saw the creature. Um, so then he wasted pay. Well, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> he said he didn't see it, and um, all he knows is that the smell but you could still of, smell of that thing would, would be around. And he yeah. said sometimes it would be so overwhelming mm-hmm. that it would just make people kind of ill. Yeah, it'd make you sick. So I'm he, sure. So he thinks that maybe that smell is like a uh, defense mechanism, like with a skunk. Oh, uh huh. So maybe it lets that off, and that the whole point is to distract it. They were talking about. Remember when we talked about the uh, first sighting with his kids? Yeah. He said that the smell was so bad that it made their dog violently ill. That its eyes got really red and it vomited and stuff the whole night. Oh man, that's how bad the smell was. Wow. So what do you think? That's the story on Momo. Well, I mean, I can't decide about him. Really. You never can decide on anything. I know. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like he <laughs> would just be mean or eat things because he's hungry. Not that he's like a vicious, terrible thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but what's the guy eat dogs? I mean, well, there's squirrels. That, I mean, this is Missouri. They got well, squirrels, they got rabbits. I understand that. But if he's that tall, he ain't going to set off for no puny little squirrel. I'd take him 100 squirrels just to get him filled up. <laughs> He ain't got all that time to do that. He wants to eat. Don't you think? I guess. So, do you believe in, like, Bigfoot-type creatures, Bigfoot, Yeti, I mean, I seriously, I I do feel like there's something out there like that. I do. Ninja is walking all over the paper, so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I do feel like there is something. There's just too many people that have seen things, you know, and... People from all different areas that are describing this thing. I mean, maybe they're just saying it because they saw it on the internet or whatever, or, you know, through the years. But I don't know. I, I feel like there probably is something like that out there. I definitely think there is. Um, I know when I was talking to Steve Coles, one of the things we brought up is people use the, uh, well, I don't think there is because why haven't they found any bones? But he made it a point that there are several different types of animals out there that when their own dies that they end up carrying the bones away and mm-hmm. you know they you don't always there's some out there that they just you know that's what they do they get rid of the bones just from you know i don't know it's you know. it'd be pretty cool to um really to know for sure to see something like that i agree we got some uh cool stories coming up next week we're gonna do a possession story this is one that's not highly publicized so uh i I think you guys will get a big kick out of this one but it took place in south africa back in the early 1900s really cool story so we can't wait to do that Mm -hmm. i've got some special stuff coming up for our 100th episode we have some special guests we've got lined up that i'm not telling you because as soon as i do something happened and it won't happen yeah that's true i don't feel like an idiot but uh you guys will be really happy with this one also we've got our two-year anniversary coming up which is only like four weeks after that mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna make the hundredth episode we talked about this do we do the hundredth up big or do we do the two-year anniversary we decided to do the hundredth big but we're gonna do some special stuff for the two-year anniversary too yeah very so, excited either way 
But uh, we love you guys. We thank you so much. Come to Potter and Love. Come to Indianapolis. Come to Nashville. And eventually we're coming to Houston. So I know there's a lot of people already asking about that. But we thank you guys so much. When you do that, we get a chance to meet uh, you guys. We got to go out to dinner last night. Yeah. With uh, Jimbo from Indy. He's uh, James Barnes. You've probably seen him post the picture. But um, he's wanting some advice on starting a podcast. So we hooked up with him and... He sprung for dinner. Him and his, his buddy that uh, are going to do the podcast together, they sprung for dinner, and we tried to give them uh, what little knowledge we actually have of this business. <laughs> well, and, I just ate my steak. It was good. Yeah, that's pretty much Tracy Ader's steak. And that picture, dude, like my hair was like all blended in with the outside, so it looks like a big old face. <laughs> I'm glad that's what you got out of that picture. I know. It was nice, though. It was really nice to meet them. Very, very um, nice guys so that was that was a lot of fun but we can't wait to meet all you guys and we just love you and feel very blessed so we just want to say again happy father's day to all you wonderful fathers and to the moms that step up in that role as well and we all hope you have a blessed week and prayers out to um hawaii because it's just getting worse out there with the oh, volcano. Oh, no, so. and it hasn't stopped. No, and then not only that, but then they've had a part of it overnight. There was a bunch of damage that got done. Oh. It's just getting worse out there. So God bless you guys. Prayers Our and thoughts, thoughts and prayers. For everybody yeah. out there. So. Thoughts and prayers, guys. Guys, we love you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And looking forward to seeing you at some of these live events. Peace out.